to be sharing this episode with Julie with you all. Um, As you know, this month I'm sharing stories of survivors of sexual abuse um, and domestic violence. So last week I talked with Chelsea Quint and had an incredible conversation about her experience um, with uh, sexual abuse and how yoga has really helped her um, regain her connection with her body and her sense of purpose. So I have a similar conversation today with Julie Fernandez, who is the absolute sweetest human being I've ever spoken with, and I'm just super honored to be able to have you all listen to our conversation and learn how someone's pain can really turn into power, and um, yeah, and just learn more about Julie. Uh, as I mentioned in the show notes, I will definitely be giving a trigger warning for this episode as it... Um, we talk about a lot about Julie's experience um, with various forms of sexual assault and as well as the repercussions which came all related to trauma, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, etc. So if any of that, you know, makes you feel uncomfortable or would trigger you in any way, please keep that in mind before listening to the episode. Um, and of course, if you or a loved one's experiencing um, any sort of sexual violence, Visit rain.org for resources or call 1 800 656 4673 to talk to someone who can help. Um, before I jump into the episode, though, I do want to plug two of my incredible sponsors. The first being my employer, Talkspace, who is also a sponsor of this podcast. Talkspace is uh, the largest online therapy platform with one to one limited messaging with a therapist. Um, I can't explain how incredible of a company this is. And I am just so truly honored to be speaking, uh, or sorry, to be speaking about them and being able to partner with them. Um, not sure if any of y'all watched the Demi Lovato documentary, but if not, stop what you're doing, watch that, and then we come to this back, come back to this episode. Um, and it's pretty damn cool that she is a spokesperson for Talkspace because if I'm in any way a spokesperson for Talkspace, that puts us, you know, and we have something in common there. Um, shout out Demi, but you, I'm, I have the coolest offer for you guys. You can get a hundred dollars off your first month of free therapy, which is, uh, of, of, sorry, online therapy, which is just absurd. So all you have to do is go to talkspace.com, uh, to get started and then just use the code Zoe at checkout for a hundred dollars off therapy. That's unlimited, uh, one-to-one, miss, uh, sorry, my brain is scattered. Uh, one unlimited one-to-one messaging therapy with a licensed therapist with at least two years experience post a master's um, incredible network of therapists 40% identifies BIPOC um, roughly 40% are experiencing LGBTQ specific epi- uh, issues as well they're just such a freaking boss ass bitch company and I love them so yeah then you'll get therapy which is amazing again $100 off that's huge deal just go to talkspace.com and use the code Zoe and then I also want to quickly talk about my friend Madison, sorry, Madison Shea's company. Um, she is, again, the person who helped not only 
built out my beautiful website, but also has started um, a organization and company called Grief and Groundwork, which is a depression, anxiety, and grief coaching program. So very um, in line with what we're talking about in this episode and just the podcast in general. Madison uses her degree in psychology as well as her 12 years as a social worker um, to help others. So in order to um, learn more about Madison and all the work she's doing, you can go to griefandgroundwork um, on Instagram, so at Grief and Groundwork, or visit her website at Madison Shea, uh, that's S-H-E-A, like the butter, um, to fill out an application for free, um, for a free video consultation. She works, um, you know, with this remote world, with people on the West Coast, East Coast, and everywhere in between. Um, and she walks all of her clients through um, the different steps to exploring, nurturing, and healing the wounds that are causing, you know, pay so much pain. So again, just another incredible person who I'm excited to get on the podcast eventually, but stay tuned for that. Anyways, without further ado, I know I've been talking and rambling, but my brain is mush right now. So I apologize. Here is Julie. and welcome to another episode of Sauce in the City. Today I am so excited to be here with Julie Fernandez, who is a somatic trauma recovery coach. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's very nice to be here with you. So um, before we dive into everything, I was hoping you could just tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? How old are you? Where'd you grow up? What's your story? Yeah, so I'm currently in Los Angeles. I've been here for about six years. I moved from New York, and um, I'm originally from Long Island, New York. I spent um, a big part of my um, adolescence in Florida, and I am 34. <laughs> I always forget. And um, and yeah, and so I'm here in LA, and I'm a somatic trauma recovery coach, and I help people um, recover from their traumas. So I don't know what else <laughs> I should share. No, no worries. So as I mentioned in last week's episode to all my listeners, um, April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. So I've been um, really honored to be able to share stories of survivors and people who are willing to open up about experiences that they've gone through involving um, sexual assault, domestic abuse, and um, other things like that. So Julie uh, has been kind enough to come on this podcast and talk about her story. So I guess, I mean, there's obviously a connection between, you know, your current profession and what you do now and your past. But I was hoping we could start off by talking a little bit about your past and what you experienced that led you to become the person you are today and um, wanting to give back in a way to be, you know, whether it be with exhale to inhale or with your work as a, a trauma recovery coach. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and thank you. I forgot to mention it's a big part of my life now is the work that I do with exhale to inhale. Um, you know, we're a nonprofit. We teach yoga to survivors of domestic violence and sexual violence. And I've been with them for about 
seven years almost. And, um, you know, and I've, I've held many different uh, roles with them. And I'm currently the lead trainer and curriculum mentor uh, with Exalt Inhale. So we might talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's all connected. And what I do now is definitely related to what I've been through. Um, you know, my story is a little complex um, because it wasn't like a one-time thing. It was something that I experienced for most of my life. So from as early as I can remember, at about three years old, I was being abused by my step-grandfather. Um, I didn't, the, the thing is that I didn't actually understand what was happening to me um, until I was about 10. And, um, and the only reason why I realized at 10 was because a family friend started abusing me the same way. And I knew that was wrong because here's a stranger coming in and touching me in a way that I don't think people do. And so, and, and so that's what I think got me questioning that, but it, it actually didn't happen that fast. Like I remember after that experience, just being really, really scared. Like my, my experience, it was at nine. Um, I was being, I was scared and I told my mother about it. And um, I just remember having like flashbacks and um, like I just couldn't concentrate at school. I was having nightmares and all that stuff. And so I ended up telling my mom about it. Um, I kept it quiet for a little bit because I think I was just too scared. Um, and then that's when I realized that um, this is the same thing I've been experiencing for most of my life. And, and I think that was like the big aha kind of moment. And that's when I realized like I should just be like, I was just scared. So my whole like childhood, I spent it scared. Um, with the family friend that continued till I was about 17. Um, and during that time, there were two other um, men who were abusing me as well. And it was all continuous. So during one period of my life, there was three different guys at the same time, not like at the same time, but like, you know, happening at the same time in my life. Um, so it was a little bit kind of uh, nuts, <laughs> to say the least. And um, honestly, like, I didn't know what to do about it. Like, I didn't know. Um, I, I just didn't know what to do about it. I told my mom. This, this is a, also a big part of it because um, my mom and I have had such a strange relationship. Because um, I didn't understand what was going on. I think I was too young. And so I would tell her and... I should also say like my dad wasn't around. So it was, I guess, easier for these men to come in and for me to want so badly like a father figure. And, um, and so I attached to them. And I think that that's, that's really part of it too. But I told my mom and um, she, you know, she would tell me like, I'm so sorry, like, oh, I'm going to take care of it. I'll take care of it. And nothing was ever changing, but I never questioned that my mom wasn't taking care of it. And I don't know, why? Because um, it was still happening. Um, and it wasn't until I was about 18 that um, it finally, like, it stopped because I confided in somebody else who then um, helped me. And, and then that's, that's kind of like when things with my mother started to get really bad because I realized, like, what she wasn't actually doing. And, um, yeah, so it's a little bit complicated, but yeah, that, it was just a lot of, a lot of stuff. And 
what I realized too is like now as an adult, um, and this is very recent too, because I've tried to talk to my mom about this for years and she never could. Um, and I know that, so my mom has a history of sexual abuse as well. Um, and I, and I've known that I, I knew that at a young age and I didn't know how to make those connections either. But now I realize too, and we've talked a little bit about it, like she's more willing to talk about it. Um, our stories are so similar. And the, the thing is that in my culture and like Dominican culture is what I've learned is that this happens way too often where, um, men are like invited into the family, like family friends. And then they, um, they really just abuse the, the children and you can't say anything about it because no one's going to listen to the women. And that's really where that came from. And I think that's why my mom behaved in that way as well. Um, she did tell me that she was too scared at that time. And I get it now. We've talked about it. Like we're, we're working through all that stuff, but you know, I'm just realizing that this is all too um, common and it needs to stop. And so I guess that's where I let, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, you know, when I, I just spent most of my life being really miserable. I was very depressed. I had a lot of anxiety. I lived in fear most of my life. I, you know, struggled with eating disorders and autoimmune disorders. Like I was just always sick and just really hated myself. I hated being in my body. I just didn't want to be here. I somehow stayed though. And, um, I remember going to a yoga class. I was invited to yoga class by a friend and that was like the best and the worst day ever. It was the worst because I hated every minute of that yoga class. It was the first time I was like in my body and feeling how uncomfortable I was in my body because I spent most of my life dissociating from my body and not consciously. I just, you know, everything that I did was an attempt to feel better. So, you know, uh, not eating, hurting myself, like all these things was just to like try to feel better. And, but here I'm in, in this yoga class and like this love, it's a lovely class. Um, so peaceful and it smells lovely and it's just wonderful. But I was hating my internal experience so badly. Why it was so lovely is because I left there and I felt the best that I've ever felt in my whole life. Like I never knew it was possible to feel that. And it's because I realized I was breathing for the first time in my life. And um, that day like just changed my life. So ever since then, I've been like committed to bringing that kind of um, peace and healing to people. So that's what started my, my healing journey and also my journey into um, yoga so that I can help others with that. And there's so much more to say. <laughs> I'm talking so much, but. No, thank you. I mean, for sharing that. I have so many questions and I mean there I feel like there's just so much to unpack with that like I mean for one the connection you know with your mom having a shared experience with you but maybe not necessarily giving you the the validation that you needed at that time and the the help that you needed at that time and you know, maybe that's because she was seeing history repeat itself in her daughter. And that's, 
I mean, I'm comparing apples to oranges here, but I sometimes see that with my my own mom of, I mean, in terms of like both of us having a lot of anxiety, both of us having like OCD, me addressing it, me being like, I, I, I'm not cool. Like, I'm not good. I need meds. I need something that like, you know, keep me chemically wired. And her just kind of pushing past that. And it's it's interesting. And I think it's something that's really cool about our generation is we're we really want to become self-aware and we really want to be like, why do I feel like this? You know, what happened when I was a kid that made, you know, me cringe every time I see this green couch or something like that. Whereas I think previous generations are kind of, they try to stay immune to it, which is just, you know, going to just get a bit, make it a bigger and bigger, bigger problem to solve. Um, so I, I think, did you, was the first time you approached your, your mom about the, the stranger who assaulted you? Well, he wasn't a stranger. So he was actually my mom's boss okay. who then became a, a, a friend of the family. So my, my mom, it's so complicated. So my dad just in and out of jail my whole life, like drug addicts, like he's just, you know, not healthy. And so he wasn't around and my mom at 33, not speaking English at all, had to go and get a job and like managed to get like a job at a dollar store. Um, just like checking people out or whatever it is. And this gentleman was so nice, so kind, so understanding. Um, he's also an immigrant and like, so he, he like definitely just like understood what was happening. And my mom, so at 33 became a single mother of three and not like while not speaking English can barely like make enough money to pay bills and keep us like alive and safe. And so here comes this guy who gives her a job and comes into the family as like a friend. He's buying us like grocery, like he's just taking care of us, like something a father would do. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, it just it, the roles got really complicated there. And I, I don't know, like she was just so dependent on him as we all were. Like my brothers loved him so much. And that was an issue too. When I told them about it many, many years later and they actually, um, they hurt me uh, because they, they accused me of lying. And um, like, how dare I like say things like that? And, you know, but he was buying them video games and toys. And like, of course they wouldn't believe me. Mm-hmm. Like I, whatever, I, I don't know. Like I, I still am confused about that. And I actually haven't talked to them about that. I'd be really curious about that. Um, you know, I've talked to my mom about it. I, t- I talk about this um, out, out loud. <laughs> I've, I've done that before. Just haven't had the conversation with my brothers. And I think so. I can feel there's some stuff there still, you know, because that's just, it's, it feels weird to not talk about it with them. Um, so someday, but yeah, when I told my mom, um, I remember we, I was sitting at the, the kitchen table and I was like so scared. I was shaking and I told her what happened um, with that specific incident. And she like couldn't say much of anything like she just said I think she said like I'm sorry and like um and I'll protect you and that was it that was all we talked about and so I like got up from the table and I'm like yes my mom's gonna help me like I thought my life was gonna be better 
um, but it continued every week till I was 18. So, um, yeah, I don't know. And, and I, I didn't know to question, like, I didn't know you can question your parents. I didn't know you can, you know, like, I didn't know all these things. So I kind of just um, accepted it as that's the way that it is. Because it's also like the way my family is anyway. Like anything that happens, like we, we, you know, we can't get a job. We can't get money. We don't have opportunities because we're, you know, poor or like Latino. And, you know, like that's just the way it is. Like that's how my family is. Um, that's like their motto. Like that's just the way it is. We just deal with it. Um, so we never work hard for things. Like we just accept it the way it is. And I've never been that way. I've always worked really hard and I'm like, no, I will not accept my life as this. Like I'm going to keep fighting for it. Like, there must be something out there. Why else am I here? Mm -hmm. And so I'm so glad, so lucky that I kept that, that I have that. I don't even know where that came from. And, um, so yeah, but my mom's history, like, I think this is important. It's like my, my mom's history plays a big role in this because she went through the same thing, but not only did she go through the same thing, my grandmother went through the same thing. So my mom's mom, not just my mom's mom and my mom, but my mom's, she has eight sisters. Every single one of them have been through the same thing. Holy like, shit. this is not right. And like, cause my, it's just, my mom is one of nine daughters. So, and all of them have gone through something like that at least once in their lifetime. And that's it's just so like insane. something that's like passed down in the family. And I'm just like, I'm the one that's like, I've had enough. I'm done with this. Like, I can't, this is not okay. Wow. And, and what makes it more difficult is that they don't want to talk about it. Yeah. That, that's why I've struggled with my mom for so long because she, out of fear, didn't want to talk about it. And it's just now at like 55 that she's willing to even look at it. And I'm, I mean, I, I definitely, I think that's important to take note of because it's never too late, you know, and, and I'm just so grateful that she's willing to, to look at it now and, and heal. And if, if I can give like one message to everyone, it's heal your stuff so you don't hurt your children. Mm -hmm. That is what happened to me. Yeah. I mean, it's it's wild but and so awful but when something like that has affected not only you but your eight sisters it must just be like seem no, so normalized like oh this is just the way life is like this is like a, because I'm a woman because I you know am exactly that. was in a subordinate uh, position so it makes it that much more difficult to talk about it because it's like, well, what what's wrong? You have to unlearn that this is fucked up. Like it's not okay. And only because of, you know, recent like movements and things that have been like far too late. Like I was actually just talking um, with a colleague about how he knew one of the first women to come out about, um, about Harvey Weinstein and um, all the work they're doing. And it just like, how did this literally happen only like five years ago or something like, but it's yeah. been going on. I don't even know since women and men existed, like started to exist. Like it's so fucked up. It is really fucked up. 
And that's why I'm so glad that we're talking about it. I'm so glad we're having this conversation. You know, my story might be really hard to hear. I think that that was also another reason why I didn't talk about it for a very long time. I didn't want to make people uncomfortable. But I think it's like, at this point, I'm like, I don't care if you're uncomfortable. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, this needs to be talked about because this needs to stop. And it's not about me. I'm, I've taken care of myself. Like, I know what I need to do to heal. I've been to many wonderful healers and I have my therapist. And so I do my work. So like, don't worry about taking care of me. Like, we need to help other people that don't have, like, access to help. Because I didn't for most of my life. Like, I didn't seek therapy until I was 27. Like I didn't know that I even could before. Mm -hmm. And that was also really a random thing because so my mom, we were best friends. Like even throughout all of that, like I still love my mom. Like I didn't know, again, I didn't know to question it. I didn't know to like, to say that's fucked up. You're not being a mom. Like I didn't. Um, and so our like relationship just grew really strong. Like I love my mom. Like we talked about everything. She was my best friend for a really long time. And then when I was 27, I remember I was, um, I was interning for this, um, like coach and she was, she had like this weekend, uh, retreat thing. And one of the exercises, like she had all these like women there and they needed one extra woman cause it was like a partner practice. And so I did it with one of the other women and, and I think it was just like exploring like what are the burdens you carry for other people or something like that? I never thought to question that. And I was like, fuck, I'm carrying all of my mom's shit. And I was like, what the, f that's not right. Like I got mad. I was angry. And then I was like, this bitch didn't protect me. Like <laughs> that was, that was the aha moment at 27 where I was like, my mother didn't protect me. A child who came to her at 10 years old, Maybe even before that, I don't know. I don't remember much of anything. But I know for sure at 9, 10, I went to her after that experience and she didn't protect me. And every time that it happened since, I went to her. Like, I would call her. She'd be at work and I'd call her crying, bawling. And she'd, she'd just, like, rush me off the phone and tell me, we'll talk about it when, when she gets home. But then when she gets home, she was too tired. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. So that was always the thing. It just kept pushing back. And I would just be like, okay, we'll talk about it later. We're going to yeah. talk later. Um, I just thought it was, I don't know. I, I thought in the back, in the, like the backgrounds, it was all being fixed. I'm not sure. But the point of that is like, I didn't realize that this was all fucked up until I was 27 years old. And I was struggling with how much anger I had. And I was struggling with how much, um, anger and resentment I had towards my mother, someone who I loved so much, who's my best friend for so long. Like that felt like that was the biggest betrayal that I'd ever gone through. And I couldn't deal with that on my own. So that's when I went to seek therapy because I didn't know what else to do with that. Yeah. So, yeah. I think so that's like, why, I mean, I, I'm a big therapy proponent and I think just having someone who's a complete third party perspective to make you take a second look at your life and be like, oh, so this this was not a good response and like this was not my fault. And I mean, I imagine a lot of her avoidance in that was because it would, in, in talking about your experience, it would force her to confront her own, her own past. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
And that's the thing. Like, I'm not, I don't want to villainize my mom. I mean, yeah, she did fucked up shit. Like, yes, she did. Um, but she did the best that she could with what she knew. Like she knew like abuse. She, that's all she knew. She knew abuse and hardship and like, she didn't know what else to do. She didn't have the tools. And so now like, I understand that I didn't then I still, um, I don't think it's okay. Like I want to make that clear. Like that is not okay. And then that's why we have to heal our shit. So we don't hurt other people. Um, but you know, our relationship is doing better. It's still very difficult. Like I, I can't let myself go to her as like I can, like I have such beautiful relationships with people. And every time, like I'm talking to my mom or I'm with my mom, there's just this wall. And I wish I could like tear that down. And it's, it's getting thinner and thinner, you know, I'm able to tell her I love her sometimes. And I, I do, I feel it, but I can't say it. And that's, that breaks my heart. But, um, I've lost so much trust in her. Um, and the more that, you know, we talk and the more, um, the more I heal, like the more I see like her humanness and still to this day, like just how she is like carrying all of this trauma with her and how it affects her today. Like she's not well, and it's because she hasn't healed her stuff. And so I, I hold a lot of, um, compassion and empathy for her. Um, but it's kind of like you stay in your lane and I'll stay in mine. I have work to do here and you have work to do there. And sometimes our lanes, uh, you know, we cross paths, um, in that, in that healing journey, but it's hard and and I can't heal for her. Yeah. I think it's um, hard to like bring someone in to your, like, fully into your life when they haven't fully healed themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that, you know, after or maybe during all the abuse was happening that you developed anxiety, depression, and um, an eating disorder. And kind of like as we talked on the phone earlier this week um, and confirmed by my friend who's a therapist and as well as the National um, Eating Disorders Association, there's actually a very high correlation between sexual assault and later development of eating disorders because of the dissociation that comes um, from your body when you do have a traumatic experience like sexual assault or abuse. Um, And then it was interesting that you said you know, a big turning point was when you had that really intense yoga session because it was the first time you had to sit with your body. So did, I guess, could you explain kind of that for those who like haven't had that experience of like what it felt like going from, I guess, disassociating from, you know, yourself to sitting on that mat and feeling everything? <laughs> it was awful. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been in pain. Like, it, like imagine like hurting a finger or something in your body and like feeling that intense pain. Feel that everywhere in your whole body. And it's like, and sudden. And it's just like, wait, 
this has been here this whole time. Where did this come from? So I think that that's, that was the thing that got me where it's like, this has been here and I've just been ignoring it. And it, so it just like, it hit me like a ton of bricks because like, I just didn't expect it. And so that was really challenging for me. But here's the thing. It's like, I, you know, I say this a lot too. It's like, I feel like I, I was living two lives, you know, one in, in with like myself, like privately, or I was just like, just really unhappy person, um, very depressed, uh, just so much trauma and um, a lot of like self-harm, like self-loathing. Like I hated myself, like every part of me. Um, and, and then on the outside, what people saw is this like, beautiful, bubbly, smiley uh, girl who's just shy, a little shy, and um, gorgeous, like, long, curly hair. Like, I always had my hair, like, down to my butt because I was – and always wearing, like, a big coat. Doesn't matter if it was, like, 90 degrees out, 100 degrees out. I was always wearing, like, a coat or a sweater because I always just wanted to hide. Um, and part of that, too, I mean, yes, hiding from people and, like, uh, hoping to like not be seen to not be like not be abused but you know I hated my body and like ugh, like I didn't want anybody to see me like or even my face like I mean like I just I didn't want to be seen like any and anytime somebody saw me like I remember one time in middle school uh someone one of my friends told me how like an eyelash on my face like so normal like an eyelash fell off my, my eye and I bawled. I, I got so scared. I ran away because somebody saw me. And I just like, that day, I remember, I think I'll remember forever because that's such an overreaction. But it's like, I was a so response. trauma. And so I think it's been so lovely too, with like what I know, like the work that I do, it's like, I can understand how and why everything happens in my life and how I reacted whether I was like the bitch that like would cut, almost like cut you if you got too close to like the the person that just like surrendered and like gave in and like followed you like a puppy dog like all of that was a trauma response and it like it just really helps me to be really kind and compassionate with myself um because it all makes sense yeah you know it's really, yeah. I mean, it's awesome that you were able to come to that through yoga also, I mean, coupled with like therapy and things like that. But how did you, I guess, get to the point of loving yoga after so much pain? That, yeah, thank you. That was, that's a great question because I do love yoga and hate it at the same time. But it's, it actually happened like almost immediately because I left there again. I was feeling so good. It was like the first time in my life that I was breathing and I recognized that I'm like, Oh my gosh, I haven't been breathing. What is why? Like I, that's when I realized like, why, what, why have, why haven't I been breathing? And I was like, Oh, it's Julie, you've been through some shit, you know? And I was 22 at this point. So I was like, Oh yeah, you've been through some stuff. That makes sense that you're not breathing. Um, and so anyway, I kind of just stayed with that like good feeling and I got really curious about what yoga is because I didn't know what yoga was. I was invited by a friend and I was like, yeah, I'll go to a class with you. I don't know what that is. Like, whatever. 
So I then got really curious about it and I started to practice on my own. I remember getting like yoga videos like on Netflix, like when you had to like get the DVDs. <laughs> and, um, and so I remembered like getting those videos and doing yoga at home. And while yes, I was like in pain from being in my body, I didn't like the way my body felt. I also felt strong in my body. I felt the strength in my legs. Like I remember being in downward facing dog and looking through like, you know, my hands and, and like seeing my legs. And I was like, whoa, I have legs and they're strong. Like look at those muscles. And then I was like, whoa, that's so cool. And so I think I kind of got distracted by like how cool it was that my body could do that and how strong it was that like I didn't, it didn't matter as much the discomfort that I felt in the other areas. And so then that's what kept me going. And then, you know, that eventually like helped with the pain and the discomfort in the body. And so I really used yoga now, but I didn't understand that I was using yoga as like healing, like my trauma. I just thought I was having fun. Um, and I knew that I was feeling good. Um, I was feeling better. Like I was feeling more at peace and I was like, starting to respect myself a little bit more or just like get curious about myself as a human because I never treated myself as a person. I never treated myself as like human. I never saw myself that I saw myself so like uh, different than everyone else. I was a piece of shit, to be honest. Like that's what I thought. And, um, and so garbage just gets treated like garbage. Right. And that's how I treated myself. And so it was the first time that I started to like get curious about like, myself as like a, another person on this earth and what does that mean and what does that look like yeah so that's such a that's, beautiful that's, way to put it though like and I didn't even think about that because um with Chelsea we talked about how the yoga place you know is like you had a you have a rectangle that's your space no one can touch you but I love how you said you know like you could do these poses and be strong and it's like you can literally use the same body that was just treated like trash and treat and treat and violated and then you can use that body to make these incredible poses to literally like hold yourself up like what I mean I'm thinking of like I don't know crow pose or something <laughs> standing sitting yeah you're literally holding yourself up like it is that simple and that's 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 my like approach really with the people I I work with it's like you're also strong and like let's let's work with your strength because that's going to help you with the more difficult stuff um so i don't i don't focus too much on like the hard stuff like the the difficult the painful uh, yes that's there that's part of the story but we use the strength to help work through the difficult stuff so we have to connect with that first um but yeah i mean that was really my journey to yoga i didn't even understand yoga in that way like now I do when I work with people it's like this is your space like it's yours like no one's gonna go on your mat you know um for me it wasn't even that, like that because I still had I still struggled with boundaries and let anyone in my space because I was scared to say no so yeah. like that for me wasn't a thing like I didn't understand that until not like maybe a few years ago uh where I was just like oh my god I can have boundaries like I teach everybody about boundaries but yeah. I didn't know that I could I didn't know that was a thing um but but yeah, so like, I mean, I think that's so beautiful if, if like survivors, anyone really can like 
look at their space and be like, this is mine and like find like healing in that. That's beautiful. Um, for me, it was like, like reconnecting with my body and learning to trust her, learning about her really. Um, and learning to like her, that was hard. Uh, that's been a journey. Um, but yeah, cause for me, like the eating disorder, I think for sure was like, I was so disconnected. I was so dissociated from my body that I forgot to eat. That wasn't, I, and I then, then I was like, I don't care. I don't yeah. care to eat. I don't like myself. Like I don't want to. Um, and then it was like, I hate my body. I wanted to be different. And then, so like, I needed to not like do whatever I needed to do to like change it. And that's what I needed to do. But I think he mostly out of self harm. Yeah. Um, I know that a lot of, a lot of people, um, it's a control thing and like, and like body image and yeah, there's body image stuff, but I think it was more like, I just really didn't want to take care of myself. I wanted to harm myself and I wanted to disappear to be honest. So what would like, what would you tell your younger self now? Like looking back, like if you were to, I don't know, at your like lowest point or at that point of self-harm, what would you say to yourself? Do you know what's funny? It's like the first thing that came to mind when you asked that is like, I love you. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think I really heard that. I don't think I really understood that or felt that my whole life. And I think that if I felt loved, then that was like really all that I needed. Yeah. No, but of course it's like, baby girl, like we make it like, we're strong. Like you got this, like, you know, there's so much, like I, I do this a lot. Um, where I think back to like myself or like when I have memories and I, th- and I see her, um, my younger self, like I'll, I'll like play out like a, a dialogue between us in those moments. Um, you know, and, and she knows we make it, she knows that life gets better. Um, so that's really lovely. But I think really at that time, I just needed to know that I was loved and that I was lovable, that I mattered. Um, I think that would have changed a lot because I've asked for help so many times and I never got it. And, you know, when that happens, like you just lose hope. You're like, well, nobody cares. So why should I? Yeah. Well, it's amazing that you're able to be in a place now where you can pay it forward like or you know not even pay it forward because no one was able to pay it to you then but that you're able to turn that pain into passion and power and help others so that they can have that I love you a lot sooner than you had to wait for it yeah absolutely um I do think of it as like paying it forward because I did it for myself yeah (laughs) and um and, and I love that. It's like, if I can do that for myself, like I want to do that for others. And it really did come from that place of like, no one should struggle the way that I did. Like, fuck that shit. I was angry. And it came from anger. Like, fuck this shit. Like, no child should have to go through that. Like, fuck all the people that like, can cause that harm. Fuck all the people that are not helping. Like, just fuck you all. And I was like, I'm going to help people. Yeah. And, uh, and so it really came from, from that place and, um, you know, and it's definitely evolved from that. I, you know, I, I, I also didn't know how I was going to do it. I, it. That wasn't planned. And what happened was um, 
like after a couple of years, like my yoga practice was very strong and, and it felt like it was missing something. And I, I felt like I wanted to understand it more. So I, I got my yoga teacher training just for myself to um, learn it, learn about it more and understand about it more. I never thought that I would be a yoga teacher because I didn't like attention. Like I, I didn't want any eyes on me. Never thought that I could speak in front of people. Never thought that I would be one to like let myself be heard. Like I I just wanted to be invisible. Um, I didn't want any attention. That was the scariest thing for me ever. And, um, and so anyway, it was just very interesting that like, very early on in my yoga teacher training, when I realized like, oh, there's a science behind this. Oh my gosh, there's a reason why I felt better. There's a reason why this thing worked. Then I said, wow, no, I have to use this. This is what I have to use to help people. And so then that's when I was like, I guess I'll be a yoga teacher. <laughs> I guess that. Um, but I started working with, um, with teens. I would go into schools in New York City uh, where I was living at the time and I was teaching those kids yoga and, um, and some, and they were, that was hard to see like everything that they were going through. And they would, they would confide in me like, really awful stories. And, um, and, and that was like, how do I, I need to help them. I need to figure this out. I need to do more. Um, anyway, somewhere along the line, like I, I discovered the word trauma and I was like, what is trauma? And I was like, oh, fuck, they have trauma. And I was like, oh, fuck, I have trauma. Yeah. And so then I started to um, to learn about trauma more and study it and, and understand it. And that's what led me to, you know, where I am now. It's like really um, focusing on trauma and even like yoga for trauma. And and then, you know, that led to like the, the somatic trauma work that I, that I do now. It's been a, it's been a journey that that's where it started was with yoga and, and my desire to help people. And that came out of anger um, that, you know, I of course had to work through and I'm still angry. I'm not as angry, but like, I just, I definitely hurt when I, when I hear of other stories and, and I do this because I, I hurt for others and no one should be hurting, yeah. especially the hands of other fucked up people. Like this just fucked up. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's amazing that, you were able to harness that anger and harness that just experience and, and, and turn it into something beautiful. And I think that's rare because a lot of people, you know, harness anger from their past to hurt others. And you were able to do the exact opposite. Yeah. I'm very grateful. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm the way that I am, but I'm very glad that I, that I am. And I'm very, I'm so glad that I was strong enough to keep fighting because um, it, it was very easy to give up. And there were moments where I, many moments, I should say many, many moments where I almost gave up. Um, and, and I, and I'm just so glad that I didn't because I'm so happy to be here right now and, and, you know, living my best life. I, I, I never knew that life could be this good, honestly, like, it only in my wildest dreams. And even then I never knew that you could feel what I feel inside. It's, it blows my mind like every day. And I'm just so grateful. That's amazing. Well, I have a few rapid fire questions to ask you before we wrap up. First question is you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, 
it's not, it's definitely one that I use the most. I love it so much. And it's one that got me to where I am now. Um, and I've been repeating it so many times this week, which is so interesting, but it's feel the fear and do it anyway. Oh, I love, yeah, I've seen that somewhere. I, I love that one. What do you love most about yourself? Uh, my heart. I, I can totally see that. Also, when's your birthday? Just out of curiosity. October 2nd. Libra. Okay. Yeah. Um, and how do you find solace in the city? And city can be New York, Los Angeles. I really, I think it's just with me. Like, um, I, I need to find quiet and, um, and just space with myself to just like be with my thoughts. So even if that's like journaling for five minutes, um, that is really like my thing. Like I need a moment to just like be <laughs> with me. Yeah. Um, whether it's a minute, five minutes, an hour, um, it, it just needs to happen. <laughs> I totally feel that. Well, Julie, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. You are an absolute like ray of sunshine and just a light for so many people. Where can all of my listeners follow you, learn more about your practice, um, learn more about you as a coach, a person, plug everything? Yeah, I feel like my Instagram is a really good mix of like what I do pri uh, professionally and also like about me because I am who I am and I will always be me. Um, my Instagram is at Jules, J-U-L-E-S underscore Meta, E-M-E-T-T-A. And um, my website is MetaHealingArts.com. So thank Amazing. you. Thank you so much again and bye everyone. Thank you.